Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So as, as we've been going through this and as I was preparing, I was reminded once again how James is, is a very great practical book, but it's also like a punch in the gut because it confronts you. God is saying, I want your action. And, and when, you read, when you read James, you have to reflect. There's no way you can read a passage and go like, no, that was fantastic. That was wonderful. I'm just going to close this and continue tomorrow. It's something that confronts how we live. And today we, we're going to be uh, talking about this passage, going through this passage where James is talking about favoritism. Or as, as, as many of us would understand it today, prejudice. Right? Let, me, let me read our passage and then we'll jump straight in. This is James chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 1 to verse 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, but if you'd like to pull up something else, you're more than welcome to. So it reads, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes, comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. And you are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's law. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say, whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. And there will be no mercy for those who have shown no mercy for others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. And James is hitting it right He's hitting it hard, and I, I can imagine these people sitting there. And this, this would have been a, a church that, that now might not be hit so much by the whole Jew and Gentile issue in this, in this, new, in this new Roman Empire. But this issue of rich and poor, we see, is being mentioned here. In fact, even when, 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 when uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about communion, he mentions that the people who, who have food shouldn't eat and let the poor stand there hungry, right? So this is an issue that seems to be everywhere. But it's an issue that sometimes you read stuff like this and you think, well, you know, I'm not rich. 
so I'm good, right? I have no problems with this. I am the poor guy. I have no problems with this. But he's, he's pointing to something that goes far deeper than, than just riches and poverty. He's pointing to our hearts, right? And he uses this example. He says, he says to the person, if you, see, if you see a person who is dressed well, and this person now is, is, as this rich person comes in, they're judging from appearance. And that's something, unfortunately, that we do very naturally. We look at someone and we already sum them up. Say, this person is like this and like this and like this and like this. That's what we do. And so as this person, I, I imagine what this person was thinking. Maybe this rich person walked in and, and, and people thought, well, he's rich, which means he did well in school, which means he's smarter, right? Or he worked harder. They might say, he's also rich, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, contributing to the economy, he's useful to the society. They are saying with all of these things, this person has earned their due respect. And this is before the person has even spoken a word. We've already decided. That then they might look over to the poor person and say, obviously, he's lazy. Because we all went through school, and if you failed, you're just lazy. Or you're just dumb. Right? Or you didn't focus in school. And you're a burden to society. And you're a burden as we look around. You're going to dirty our seats, so maybe sit on the ground. And all of this has been done before this person has even spoken a word. Right? God is pointing to, to, to an issue in our hearts. That's why he says that... If you, if you are like this, you're a person who judges with evil motives. And a judge is supposed to be someone who is objective, who looks at two, at two people and as he's judging the case, can maybe look at a, a poor person with uh, tattoos and who looks a bit rough and look at another one who is maybe neatly dressed in a nice suit and look at the facts and listen to the people and then make a judgment. And in the Old Testament, in, in Deuteronomy, a, a number of times, it talks about how judges should not show favor. And, and it, says, it, says, it, it says something interesting. It says that um, not to favor the rich, but also not to, show, not to have pity on the poor, to, to think, oh, no, but they're poor, so like, maybe I should help them out with this and not judge them. So it goes both ways. See, what we do is... We make decisions about people. We judge who they are because of our faulty perception. See, we are not like God. We can't see into the heart. We just see the exterior. So we make these judgments, and then after we make these judgments, we organize people into classes. Like this person has a great beard. That means he's up here. But we, we put people into classes and then we justify treating people that way. Right? You, you, you hear about the, 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 the caste system in, in India and how the lowest of the low, if, 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 if the one right at the top killed one of the lowest, they might not even be prosecuted. That's how, that's how far it is. And, and these are things that still go on today. 
We use our faulty judgment and then with that we decide who is worthy of being treated with dignity and with respect and who isn't. And this is something that God hates, how we judge people. Because he is the only one that can truly judge. He's the only one that sees into the heart. He knows what's really going on. But we can't. And we judge people with, with uh, so many different things. We, we judge people by their appearance, um, where they stand economically, their gender, uh, by race, by tribe, all these things. And every time, every time I, I, I read about a sin that God is, is, is condemning, right, that God is saying that he hates, I ask myself, why does he hate this so much, right? What's the big deal? I started thinking about it, and, and discrimination does so much to a society and so much damage uh, that we don't see. I was thinking about two sides. On the one side, the person who's being discriminated against, the one who's seen as a lower person, they, they develop this, this inferiority complex. They feel lower than everyone else. They feel like they can't achieve as much as the superior person can, right? They belittle themselves, so they allow people to walk all over them. They start to treat people who look like them inferior as well. And even though they feel inferior, they might then have the temptation to push somebody else down just to feel a little bit better about themselves. And the worst thing is, one of the worst things is they glorify this person who they see as superior. They say, this is something to attain to. And, and, and in doing that, their focus has shifted from Christ to this person. But on the flip side, for the other person who is now superior, they believe they deserve more than the other person. They feel like they have more rights. They are more equal, as people say. So they treat people as less, and they get used to it. They get used to living in this place of undeserved privilege. Here in Namibia, there are so many things, so many um, forms of discrimination that we see all the time. It's not stuff that's hidden, right? And Namibia has a long way to go when it comes to racism, when it comes to sexism, to tribalism, to the divide between the rich and the poor. And all of this, like we can point at this thing and that thing and that thing, but all of this is the effect of pride. It's our pride. It's, it's, it's that ugly part of us. It's pride in the very beginning when Satan comes to, to, to Adam and Eve, that's what he tempts them with. You can be like God, right? And the crazy thing is they were already like God. They were made in God's image. Satan couldn't give them that, but he offered them something. He offered them greatness, and their pride snatched it up. And that's something we, we need to desperately fight most of our sin happens when I say to God, I think I will do things my way. That's pride. It creeps in. It says, my way is better than yours. I can be God for this second. And God hates it. God says in, 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 in James 4 verse 6, he resists the proud, 
gives grace to the humble. And I've always read this verse. This is a, a memory verse I learned long time ago. And it's one of those verses that you, you just put in your memory and you say it every now and then. It sounds really nice. Uh, these are the kind of quotes that um, will go crazy on Instagram right now with a nice selfie. Right? But if we think about it, if we think about this, this is a scary verse. right? If all of us have this pride that we struggle with, this should be a verse that hits us and we go like, whoa, this is... This is a huge deal. So if I discriminate in any way, if I favor one person over the other, right? If my pride comes out in this way, God himself will resist me. That's a crazy thing to think. God himself resisting you and me. And we face resistance in this world. But I think nothing compares to God actually stopping you. I see a picture of 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 um, an ant and just God putting his finger over it like this. And every time I'm proud and I want to move forward in my pride, God stops me right away. Perhaps one of the reasons we don't experience closeness to God is because of this pride, because we discriminate. If you feel superior to anyone, if you have a prejudice, humble yourself before God does. I say that to myself as well. Because being humbled by God is a crushing experience. Right? On the flip side though, God in his, in his greatness, he issues this, this, this warning and then the other half of the verse is a promise. He gives grace to the humble. And God is in the business, if, if you feel inferior, of lifting you up. It says in Psalm verse, uh, Psalms 9, chapter, uh, verse 9, it says, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed. He will stand when, when everyone pushes us down. When we're made to feel inferior, we can go to God and God will tell us who we are. James chapter, uh, in, in this passage in verse 5, it says, Listen to me, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? And by saying this, he's not saying that, that there are no rich people who are believers and who also inherit a share of God's kingdom. He's saying that He's shifting the mind of these people to, to say that these people that you glorify, the ones that you think are, are blameless, that you're aiming to be like, the ones that you're showing favoritism to, those people are sinful too. And they can turn on you at any moment. And, 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 and I'm sure as James is, is um, saying this to these people, he's remembering a time when, when, when Paul and Barnabas are preaching and the, the, the religious leaders of the time went to, to, to stir up a, a group of inf influential people. It says it, there were ladies that were very influential and very rich as well. I'm sure he's remembering that time and saying, those people that you look up to, those people that you favor, that you treat better than everyone else, they're the ones who are locking you up. See, we can never, ever favor someone over someone else because every single person is sinful every single one of us. James is, is reminding Christians that he takes the, 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 the lowly and, the, and, and 
and the poor. He takes the unwise and uses them to shame the wisdom of this world, to shame the power of this world. God is saying, I don't care what your value system is because it's flawed. I'm the one who gives value. I'm the one who decides. And he, and, and he also said this to say that often the, the, the people who, who are prideful, who feel superior to others, they often resist God because they feel like they're okay. I'm rich. I'm powerful. Right? I'm well-loved in this world. Why do I need God? They've become a little mini-God. And, 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 and on the flip side, so many who feel oppressed, so many of the poor, you share the gospel with them, and they take it right away. Because their reality screams the fact that this world is broken. We can't judge anybody. And one of the reasons is because in God's plan to redeem all of us, at every point, we are at the same place. So, let me explain this. So, when we are created, right, whether you're born into a rich family or a poor family, uh, whatever tribe you're born into, this verse is true for every single one. Psalm 139 verse 14. And this is David saying to God, I thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It says your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Every single person, when they are born, they are created and they are a masterpiece of God. No matter what we think, this is what God says. So at the very beginning, we're on equal footing. And then before we meet God, we're also on equal footing. Whether we've been to church all our lives, or whether we abuse drugs and we're sleeping around and we're getting into all sorts of nonsense. It says this in Romans 3 verse 23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It doesn't say, like this person doesn't fall short. Like maybe the man is better off than the woman, or the woman is better off than the man, or the black person is better off than the white person, or the white person is better off than the black person. It says we all fall short, every single one of us. Once again, we are on equal footing. But also in God's plan for redemption. In Acts 17, verse 26 and 27, it says this, From one man he created all the nations through the whole earth. So once again, from the very beginning, he decided beforehand when they would rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us talks about the nations. He's referring to every tribe, right? Every economic situation. Everyone. His plan is to save every single person. His desire is to save people of all types. Once again, we are on equal footing. 
in Ephesians 2 verse 10, and, and this talks about where we are as believers. Before that, it says that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works that any one of us should boast. Right? So once again, there's nothing, we, there's nothing we do. It's not where we are in society. It's not how much money we make. It's not whether we're a man or a woman born into certain cultures. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as believers, we stand on equal footing once again. Then it continues in, in, in 2 verse 10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And every single one of us remade in Christ is a masterpiece. Once again, equal footing. When he talks about our reward in John 3.16, it says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The same, the same reward is offered to all. So God in every point of, of, of our walk with him, even before that, puts us all on equal footing. We have no reason to discriminate against anyone. So if you're, if you're maybe wrestling with this, if, if, if you're thinking about this and realize that maybe I do have a prejudice towards these type of people, this, these type of people, and I would encourage us to really go and think about it, to read through this again and ask God, God, where do I favor? Who do I favor? And who do I mistreat? Do I see people the way you see them? But also, in James, it continues on to say that if we show favoritism, we break what is called here the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I remember when, when someone asked Jesus, and Jesus uh, gave this reply, they asked, Who, who's my neighbor? And he tells the, 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 the parable of, of the good Samaritan. And the person who is the, the least likely person to be the hero in that story is the hero, and it was Christ demonstrating that, yes, there is evil in this world, and evil is in all people, but there's also good in all people, Right? That God in his plan to save people in the way that he remakes people will choose anyone. Jesus also displayed this in, 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 in the way he preached. When he, when he heals the person who is, is possessed by the legion of demons, he's gone over to a Gentile place, a place that most Israelites would have avoided completely. When he, when he talks to the, the Samaritan woman who are hated, the Samaritans are hated by the Jews. And then it's also... A lady who, at that time, ladies weren't respected. Men would not even speak to ladies in public like that. And then on top of that, she's a lady who's known to be sinful. And God did not show favoritism. And loved her the same. And had a conversation, just like he had a conversation with Nicodemus. Who knew the law of God. Who had been striving to follow God. And the same, it's the same type of conversation. Come to me, and I'll remake you. I'll give you purpose. That Jesus did not discriminate. He loved everyone as he loved himself. It says if we truly love someone, we treat them with dignity 
and we treat, we, we honor them the same way that we would do for ourselves. We treat them like their needs are important. We treat them like their opinions and their voice is important. But Jesus, in, 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 in the way that he normally does, he takes it a bit further. When, he, when, he's, when he's talking, um, when he's preaching uh, to people, he's saying, love even your enemy. Pray for them. When a, when a soldier tells you to, to carry his armor, carry it like a kilometer further than you're, what you're supposed to. Do double the distance. In Philippians it says, don't be selfish. Be humble, thinking about others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Saying, esteem someone higher than yourself. Honor them. What would our world look like if everyone honored everyone else? What would history have looked like if people didn't look at the color of skin as something to be hated? The way someone looks puts them in a place of being inferior. What, if, what would the world look like? What would history look like if we celebrated the differences that God has made? It says if we favor someone over others, we're committing a sin and we're guilty of breaking the law. And he goes on to, to, to say that if you've kept all of the laws but you have broken one, you've broken all of them. And what's interesting about uh, this, this example being used of a person who's poor and a person who's rich is that when Jesus came to this earth, when he lived here, he was poor. We know that because of many things. When, he, when, the parents, when their parents came to give a sacrifice, they, came, they brought doves on the eighth day instead of a lamb, what a rich person would have brought. Jesus said, I don't have a home. It, it mentions uh, women who supported his ministry financially. He didn't have money. When he talks about uh, the, the, the prophet who is most honored, who is John the Baptist, it's a man who lived out in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and, 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 and wild honey. I know that's not something you choose. Right? But God is saying, these amongst the prophets, this, this is the most honored one. And Jesus is, and, and, and I was thinking about this. If I treat someone who's poor like this, if I, if I treat them badly or with, with, with less respect, maybe if I lived in, in Jesus' day, I would have done the same to him. God himself shows no favor. We have no place doing that. So maybe we have, we, we, we have some sort of prejudice towards a certain person. How do we work through that? First of all, we need to go to God. You say, God, I see this as a problem. Change my mind. Change my heart. Work on me because I know this is sinful. I know I'm breaking your commandments. And then, as God normally does, he will give you an opportunity to work through this prejudice. 
maybe speak to one of these people. We often, we often think, and I, and I remember when we were in grade eight, um, we were put into classes, and one of the classes, the, we were in the A class, and uh, we, were all, we were a mixed group, and then there was the B class, which was an all-German group, right? And they all had German first language. And you could see, right, that when we, when, when we walked around, it's like, they're like, this is actually our school. This is Delta. This is a German school. I don't know what you guys are doing here, right? But this is our school. And we were put together, so every, every week we would have uh, a double sports period with this class. And I remember the guys, just as, as guys are at that point, we had something to prove. And, and many times the teachers came and broke up fights between us and the B class, right? Because there was this racial tension and, 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 and prejudice. But when we get to the end of grade 12, after we've had many conversations with them, right? After we've gotten into trouble together, after we've helped each other uh, study and, and, and sometimes copy homework of each other, <laughs> right? We realize I'm not very different. And we even start to realize there's some things in your culture, in the way you do things, that I could learn from. Because all of our cultures, all of our cultures will reflect a part of who God is, but all of our cultures will also have, will also reflect a lot of our sinful nature. So we have good and we have bad. We often focus on the bad and decide that's a whole group of people who are like that. They're just bad. And as you get to know them, you realize there's a lot I can learn from them. They're actually great people. But if we don't take the step to mix with people, to, to, to go in and, and learn from, from someone who's different from us, we continue to feel like our way is always right and we'll continue to justify us being prejudiced towards people. I'd like for us to, 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 to spend time praying and um, ask God to search your heart, to, to, to tell you if you have a prejudice, and ask him to change your heart. If you feel like you're superior to someone and, and maybe you feel like, oh, no, I'm right for feeling this way, say, God, change me. If, if you're on the other side and you've been made to, to feel inferior, ask God to show you who you really are in his eyes. Ask him to show you what your value is. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the fact that you are in, in the gracious business of taking 
sinful and deceitful hearts and turning them to you. Thank you, Jesus, that um, from the moment uh, that we accept you, uh, that you start a, a process of purifying us. And Jesus, thank you that you've called us to be representatives of you. And Jesus, the, the same way you loved, teach us to love in that way. God, I pray that you'd remove pride from our hearts that would make us feel as though we're better than anyone else. Jesus, make us like you, who spoke to all people, to the, the, the rich and the influential and the poor and insignificant. You spoke to those who might have regarded themselves as holy and those who knew that they were sinful. Thank you, Jesus, that when the Pharisees asked, why do you sit with the sinners? You say, that's who I came for. I came for those who, who, who are sick, those who are blind, those who are oppressed. I came to lift them up. Jesus, thank you that you, you continue to love us in this way. So God, help us to, to, to put away our pride. Give us opportunities to, 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 to work on that this week. God, I, I, I think of people in, in Namibia right now who experience so much prejudice. I think of uh, the, the Chinese. And now here and, and worldwide with, with, with the virus, they may be experiencing the worst prejudice. But Jesus, you called us to love them. Jesus, we worship you and we praise you. And I pray that you'd lead us in this, in this way of loving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.